Sarah, thank you. Keep your Bibles open to Romans 12, and we're using that as a companion text to the Ephesians 4 passage. We spent a considerable amount of time over the last several weeks discovering the gifting of the church and the church itself. But for a quick review this morning, we've been in essence in Ephesians 4 where we've seen that by grace God has given the gift to the church. And I would, I would say that something that I'd like to back up and think that rather than think about individual spiritual gifts this morning, initially, think of it this way. That the gift in which God gave to the church is the gift of the Holy Spirit himself. In John 7 and John 14, Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit will be sent to them. And you can look at those passages later when you get home. But just remember that the Holy Spirit, he is the gift. And by sending the Holy Spirit, what God's going to do is express himself in the lives of believers in the body of Christ, manifesting different types of gifting, as Sarah just read for us. The Holy Spirit has been given to empower followers of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, to grow and mature. As a matter of fact, in John 14, Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, or advocate, or paraclete is the word, to be with you forever. He goes on to say in John 14, 25 and 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've told you. So that is the gift, the Holy Spirit himself. The first and primary thing that we should be concerned with is are we in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Only when we are can he send the Holy Spirit. And so the very first thing, and again, I remind us again, over and over, for emphasis' sake, the very first thing we should do is to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in that evaluation, it started with the new life or the new birth. Last week, we spent a considerable time talking about discovering, the, the discovering of our spiritual gifts, our individual spiritual gifts, is by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. As a matter of fact, in that text, it says that we should be holy, which means to be set apart and to be acceptable to God, which is our act of spiritual worship. And when we do that, what God's doing is transforming us by the renewing of our minds into the body of Christ. And that is by the word of God. So going back to Ephesians 4, I just want to remind us, why are we talking about spiritual gifts? It's because of this. Because every believer in this body and every believer in the church, the invisible church, the true church of Jesus Christ, has been given at least one gift by the grace of God. Why? Ephesians 4. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. To build up the body. To attain the unity of faith. To obtain the knowledge of the Son of God, which is Jesus. To make us mature. To measure the stature of fullness of Christ. So we may no longer be tossed to and fro. So that, that each part working properly will make the body grow so it's built itself up. And notice what appropriate word for this day, to be built up itself in love. And so that's why we have gifts, to build us up, to be a team, to be a body, to be conformed into the bride of Christ. 
And so the very first thing that we want to talk about is discovering our gifts. And if you have your Bibles, you're looking there where Sarah read in Romans 3. It says, for by grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to you, everyone among you, not to think of himself as highly, uh, but, but think sober, because according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. In other words, God has given gifts to us. He has given each of us a gift. Here's the point. Your gifting is not for you. The gift or gifts that we have been given are for the body of Christ. And so we're going to spend just a very few moments, and I'm going to go very fast because of time, to speak about discovering, deploying, and, de and de uh, delighting in the spiritual gifts. We need to keep in front of us that it's very important this one simple fact. Look around the room, and I've said this often here. We need each other. Our first relationship is the Lord Jesus Christ. But our second relationship is we need each other. We are members of this body. It's just that simple. I don't understand all of it, but that's the way God designed it. I was listening to an audio book, a secular book, this week. And it began its introduction with the story of Michael Jordan. And I hate using some of these illustrations because they're not necessarily that spiritual. But I, just, I hope you get the point. Do you realize that Michael Jordan was the best player in the NBA for several years, but it was six years before he won a championship? I went back, and you can go back and fact check that. The Bulls had the best player in the NBA, but they weren't the best team. They just couldn't get over the hump. So what did they do? Did they work on making Michael Jordan better? No, they realized that as good as he was, he couldn't win the championship by himself. And so literally, they began to assemble a team around Michael Jordan. And pretty soon, he was no longer the most important one on the team as a matter of fact, you could argue that, that he got better because other people was brought to the team, and so they just became better together. The team got better and better and better until they became one of the greats. Here's the takeaway for us this morning. If a basketball team can realize it's not all about just one person, and they need each other, then how much more important is it for us, the body of Christ, to understand that just in Romans 12, where Sarah read and a couple weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 12, there's another list in Ephesians 4. There's four of those and there's other places that we need each other. Do you get it? The only way you're going to play, to use that analogy, to your potential, the only way you're going to be all that God designed you to be is to be connected to other people who are deploring their gifts in your life, in us, in theirs. A personal relationship with Christ is critical. But I have worried that we talk so much about the personal relationship with Christ that we've swung the pendulum so far to the personal side that we've forgotten about the corporate side, the church. 
It's not just about us in our walk with Jesus. As a matter of fact, I would say that you can't be a Christian. You may be able, I, I don't want to go down that road. It's hard to be a believer in Christ and not be connected to a body. I'm not going to say what God can or cannot do. But there's all kinds of imagery here. And as I was thinking about this, and, and this just sprung to my mind, everything we're talking about is a Matthew 22 principle. To, put, to focus ourselves on God and others. What are spiritual gifts? God says spiritual gifts are to glorify Him, manifesting the Holy Spirit in your lives, and to benefit others. It's Matthew 22, right there. And He does that by manifesting Himself in our lives by the grace given. So, in Ephesians 4, it says He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That's the first of the basic four gifts. And I'm not going to break down to all those, but I think that apostle there is primarily for the early church. It's the ones that knew the birth, the, the life, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they were the sent out ones to take the gospel. So that's the foundation of which we're built on. But in other words, God gifted the church with special abilities. Let me remind us of a couple of definitions. Spiritual gifts are spiritual abilities or special abilities given to us by the grace of God that enables the Holy Spirit to build the church of Jesus Christ. One of the things that we need to understand when we talk about gifts, as we learn to discover them, is that they are not exhaustive, meaning the list in the scriptures are not maybe all of them. Almost all theologians agree of that. On your table, you have a list, or on the email, you have a list of, it. it's from Lifeway, it's a list of the spiritual gifts. If you just grab that list real quick, I want to walk us through that. For These are, I don't know, depend on how you want to categorize the gifting. These are the gifts that are in Scripture. There's 15, 18, 19 of these kind of gifts. This is just a tool. I just want you to, this week, take it home, read over it. Now, now listen, <laughs> I... I I, want to be, I just want to be transparent with you this morning. This is going to do nothing if you forget this sermon once you leave here. If you don't take that paper home, if you don't take your little evaluation home, if you just go and tuck your Bible away in your car or truck, put it over the dashboard or in the back window. We used to, I used to see people with their Bibles in the back window. It means that's where they kept them all week. That's a whole different story. But but this is only going to be as good as you apply this this week. Do you know your spiritual gift? I would fathom to guess that most of us would say, ah, I don't know. And so the goal of this message is to help us to see what kind of team God is creating here at St. Louis Crossing to impact our community. Let me ask a question. Just if you, if you believe this, just say amen. Do you believe that God, 150 plus years ago, put a church here to make sure that the gospel was represented in this community? If so, just say amen. Do you believe that you are here today because he wants to use you to make sure there's a continuation of that gospel to this community? Okay, so you agree. That's approval. You agree with that. And I believe that God has uniquely gifted you as a follower of Christ to exercise one of those gifts in the relation to our body, so we will grow into a mature church, so when people visit our church, 
They hear the gospel. They see a different way of living. It's contrary to the world that we're out there. We're actually like salmon swimming upstream. We're, we're countercultural. They see something here that they don't get anyplace else. And then the Holy Spirit begins to unite that faith in them and they can be born again. Isn't that great? And so not all of them preaching. For instance, just a couple of highlighted administration. And on that list, it's the second one down. It just says that they... Accord, they organize according to God-given purposes. Administration is a spiritual gift. They make sure things happen. Teaching is another one. The building up and unifying maturity in the body. Exhortation. There are people who are in this body and you're, you're gifting in today's world in 2021 is to literally, now I'm going to give you a, use, a, a, a spiritual reason to use your phone. You're, you're gifting is to grab your phone out and to send a text message and just says, hey, I want to encourage you to keep pressing on. Or, hey, I was thinking about you and I just wanted to re remember this scripture. Or, hey, you pick up the phone and you say, hey, I was, you just had you on my mind and I want to encourage you or exhort you to do the right thing. That's a spiritual gift. How many of you could use one person in your life like that? How many of you don't want a person in your life like that, right? And so I believe God's given us people in this body that that's, that's exercising your spiritual gifts. Another one is faith, spiritual gift of faith. I, I think sometimes I have this and then sometimes I don't think I have any of it. But this is the person that will say, there's that mountain, there's that hill, and, and we're going to climb that hill, we're going to take that hill no matter what, because God's with us, and if he can be with us, who can be against us? And they're that person that's going to say, we're going to get this accomplished. Or you're struggling with something in your life, and they're encouraging you to trust in God. Another one that we talk a lot about is service and helps. These are people who joyful give assistance to meet the needs of others. These are the people who are always sending out emails saying, hey, I have a person that I know that has a need and could we all kind of bring a loaf of bread, some soup and blah, blah, blah. And, and this, that's that person. This is the person who's organizing uh, bereavement dinners or when someone's sick, they're, they're making sure that we're taking care of them as a church family. We need that, amen? Gift of mercy. This is a person who sees the world differently than I see it. They look on the world with a compassion that only Christ can give them. Giving. There are people with the gift of giving. Not only just of money, but of time and their efforts. Hospitality. And I know that this says about guests and strangers, but at some point in time, I'd love to do a sermon series on hospitality because I think it's the one thing that's vitally missing, and especially if in COVID and corona it's been that way. But after we get beyond this, we're going to need to double down on hospitality. Brothers and sisters, we just, I, I, I know because of COVID we can't, so that's, I'm not talking in light of COVID. But once COVID gets beyond us, we need to double down on just being together. Amen? We need to be together. And it's when we're together, doing a little cornhole, uh, frying some fish, eating a tenderloin, I, yeah, the food's obviously in my mind. Having a sugar cream pie. I mean, it's, it's, it's having a little campfire someplace. It's there that someone can use their gifting. It's not all contained in this building. 
It's there when you, you say, you know, I'm just really struggling with uh, maybe somebody struggling with their kid or someone struggling in their marriage or someone struggling at work or maybe someone just needs to know what decision to make, what school to go to or what career choice. And it's, it's there, Brother Jake. It's there where you're pitching cornhole. I mean, do you think that could be spiritual? Yeah, that's a spiritual gift. Once I'm beating the tar out of somebody and just one after another and I'm, and I'm encouraging, hey, brother, don't give up. Keep fighting the fight. Hey, have you thought about this? God, I see God using you this way. Amen. That's the way the body should work. Is that, is that something you want to be a part of? I think so. So that's, that's those gifts. And i got to fly through here. So how do we know it? I'm going to give you a couple of A's and an O. The first, they're, they're so practical. The first is affinity. How do you know what your gifting is? Well, here's a couple questions. What resonates with you? What, what speaks to your heart? What are your passions? This week, take that list, get on your knees and just say, God, I'm passionate about this. I, I, could, never, I could never play the piano. I could never lead singing. I definitely don't want to run the sound system, but I see this as an interest in my heart. I, I think, is that what you're asking me to do? So what is it that you're passionate about? What's your affinity? The second is ability. What are you good at? What are you good at? I believe that if we ask enough and start looking enough, that once you get saved, I believe God gives you some abilities that you didn't have prior to being saved. That's just my personal opinion. I think there are people who get the gift of teaching in the church that they may not be a, a public education teacher, but they are, they're, they're the best Sunday school teachers. I, I, they have a spiritual gift of teaching in addition to their natural ability. So you, you need to start asking yourself, hey, and let me just stop here. I just, there's nothing wrong or that's not Christ-like. There's nothing arrogant when it comes to what we're talking about and, and asking yourself this question. What am I good at? What do I have the ability to do? Here's another thing, the reason we need to be together. And I mean this sincerely. We need to start asking each other, what do you see my ability is? How do you see that I, and we need to start talking to our brothers and sisters. What are you effective in? Do you see why the body can't be apart and why we can't be, do this alone? We begin to discover our conversations as people begin to talk to us. And I want to say, when they start telling you, hey, I see this, don't just recoil and say, oh, no, I could never do that. Lean into that. The next D is deploy. Deploy is a military term. It means to extend, to place in battle formation, to spread out. So in other words, how do we deploy our gifting? How do we unfold? That's, that's where that word comes from. It literally, from Latin, means to unfold. It was used in, in 1786, if Brother Steve Coffin's on, as a military word that meant to, to extend the front line. So how do we extend our front line? Very practical things. Availability. Every soldier enlisted in an army must be available to their captain or their general. So in other words, what I'm talking about has to become intentional in our lives. What does that mean? That means that your faith, 
your church, your brothers and sisters in Christ need to be at the top of your priority list. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works, not neglect, neglect meeting together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, meaning the day of Jesus, to return. I would say that if I'm talking about you using your spiritual abilities in this church and you're like, I just want you to shut up and sit down so I can go out and eat at China Buffet or whatever, then you need to go back and revisit the spiritual evaluation. Because I'm saying to you that this is what should get our fire stoked. And so if we're going to deploy them, then we need to be available. We don't want to be like the parable of the talent Jesus told in Matthew 25, 25. It says, when he asked the person with the talent, he said, where's your talent? He said, oh, I hid it. Verse 26, after that, here's what the reply was. You wicked and slothful servant. That's not the word we want Jesus to use when he asked us, hey, Brother Brian, what was your talent and how did you use it? You want to be able to say, Lord, I did the best with this and this is what I was doing. Amen? Finally, in order to deploy your gift, you need to look for opportunities. You've got to make yourself available. You have to make yourself available by looking for opportunities. Just start serving. Don't wait to someone to ask you. If you have the gift of helps, there's things here to do. A couple of weeks ago, the sidewalks had snow on them. If you've got the spiritual gift, we need to get here. I'm not, I'm not trying to recruit someone to shovel snow because we're having snow apocalypse in a few days. I'm just saying, if some of you have a gift of helps, that's an example. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And, and this is the last place I'll have you go. We're almost done. I missed, I've missed something in this passage of Scripture forever. 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Let me read to you a familiar passage of Scripture that you will recognize. Paul's writing to young Timothy. He says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to the exhortation, to teaching. In verse 14, we, we know this verse. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So we all know that Paul told Timothy, don't neglect your gift, and that would be my encouragement to you. But I've missed verse 15 all this time. Here's what he tells him. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep close watch on yourself and your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I want to use a quick sports analogy. It's not in my notes, but just let me say this again. I saw uh, basketball is, is, is one of the things around here. And, and if you talk about a good player, what do they do? A good player, whether they win or, or lose the game, they may be back out on the court honing their skills after the game. I saw a, a, a tweet from a, a Purdue player that one of the Purdue players, after the game, 
was back on the court practicing. Practicing these basic skills. Again, I think if a basketball player, which plays a game that really no one cares about or matters eternally, would go and practice and skill, use their gifting, how much more should we as a church follow Paul's advice? You want to know how to use your spiritual gift? Just start practicing. And in the ESV, it says, immerse yourself. What if I would love to have the problem at St. Louis Crossing? I'd love for the board to have to come together to me to say, you know, we've got all these people wanting to do all this stuff, and we just don't know what to do with them. That, that would be a great board meeting, right, guys? It'd be a fantastic board meeting. So now, delight. There's a psalm that, if you've been reading along with the church, Psalm 34, verse 7, is one of my favorite verses in the Psalms. And I said I'd have you only turn one more place, but I'll read it to you. Psalms 37, 4 is a phenomenal verse. And I'm done, and then we're going to respond to the message this morning. Thank you, for, thank you for participating in a little different service this morning. I pray that the Lord would use it mightily in your life as we come to a conclusion. But Psalms 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of of your heart. You know, uh, God doesn't need us. I want to tell you that I've sometimes preached this message differently and wrongly. I've tried to use it as a recruitment tool to fund all or to, to fulfill all the ministries the church needed, to make sure someone was in the nursery, to make sure we had elementary teachers, to make sure someone was giving, or to seriously shovel the snot. God doesn't need us for anything. He doesn't even need us to, to make sure the gospel's carried on at St. Louis Crossing or Hope or Northern Bethany County. But here's the deal. God has graciously invited us to join him. And he's given us a privilege to be with him in this great journey. If I may conclude this way, the great apostle Paul has painted for us in the book of Ephesians a masterpiece. Movements of love and grace and forgiveness and salvation, all in relationship to God through the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. By His grace, He has given us a new life. And because we have a new life in Christ, He tells us to therefore live in a manner worthy of this new life. And the way that we live in a manner worthy of this new life is we take our spiritual gifting and we play our positions we get to exercise the gifts that he's given us. It's like being part of a, great, of a great symphony, each one playing their individual instruments and adding value to the overall symphony. If you would humor me and allow this illustration just a little farther, as we work together with our gifts, helping other members, they will help us. And with each passing moment as we play our gifts and they play theirs, to together we get better. And I was thinking a couple days ago on this part of the message, and I thought the more we become more like a symphony, the more intense and the stronger and the more beautiful that sound gets as we each are playing our part. 
it becomes so intense and so profound and it resonates in our soul to such a degree that it begins to drown out all the other music and noise of the world. Isn't that great? And then it becomes so sweet that the only song we can hear in our being is Jesus. Symphony is a means a lengthy form of musical composition for an orchestra, usually consisting of several large sections or movements. But you know, there's another word that I Googled. I literally did this from Google. I looked up and I was looking up symphony and the word concerto came in. And I didn't know what a concerto was. But I will give you the definition and I'll try to make the last illustration. A concerto is a solo of one, two, or three instruments surrounded by an orchestra. So in essence, you have one instrument or no more than three playing in the center stage surrounded by the orchestra for this wonderful, beautiful piece of music. And I thought to myself, and I don't know if this analogy flies, but I thought, what if the church was a concerto? What if in the center of the stage was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? And what if they've invited us, the body of Christ, to surround them and begin playing? And what if we do that? Would we create a masterpiece? And how much would we delight in seeing what would happen as we played our role and our gift. And I just believe, I am just, just have enough faith that believe that if each, one, if each one of us would pick up our spiritual gift and start playing it in accompaniment to our marvelous God, that this crazy noise of this world that sends people to hell and damnation would be drowned out by the beautiful, wonderful, sweet sound of the gospel of Jesus Christ, all for the glory of Christ. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing about a mansion over a hilltop. We've intentionally been singing about heaven because I felt like we weren't doing enough of that, talking about heaven. And so I hope that you will sing about your home about all this working together so one day we'll be together with each other in that great place called heaven with Jesus Christ at the center and all of us glorifying him. And then we're going to sing again a song about, about God, uh, the, the God who we know and believes, and we're going to pray, and uh, we're, we'll, we'll leave in just a few moments. Would you pray with me? Father, I just simply pray that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.